Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Barbecue Nation. This is JT along. Camaro Dave and Commander Chris. How about that? Coming to you from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios here in Portland. I'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended. And we've got a holiday weekend coming up here. We're all going to be involved in. And so as prescribed by the gods of barbecue, my good friend Meathead from AmazingRibs.com is here with us today. We're going to be talking about what you should be cooking over this Memorial Day weekend. Hey, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm here. I'm upright. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm breathing. That's true. Taking nourishment. That's true. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, you know, they, they talk about Memorial Day as the start of the barbecue season, but I'm willing to bet you've been grilling barbecue and all winter long. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Since uh, New Year's Day. So mm-hmm. so I guess that, that constitutes a new year, play on words there. But, yeah, every... Every chance I get, I'm out there, and I would guess you're doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. My wife's got pictures of me in knee-deep snow standing over the grill. <laughs> Nothing stops me. Hey, you know, just about anything you can cook indoors, you can cook outdoors only better. I think so. I, I really think so. In fact, before we were started to do this show, I was just knocking around on the web, just seeing what what things, you know, p- weird things people were grilling and stuff, and and they weren't really weird. They were just things that you didn't think about doing. The average person doesn't maybe think about grilling asparagus or oysters or doing oh, a God. pizza or like that, but we do all that. All that. I mean, grilled asparagus is just far better than steamed or boiled. I mean, leaps and bounds better than, uh, uh, any other preparation. Uh, it's, it's probably one of those foods that really should be comp- cooked on a grill and no other way um you can yeah and it's so simple i mean oh yeah you, you 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 cut off the bottom inch of the asparagus just to get rid of the hard woody parts if it's a very thick asparagus a lot of people seem to think that thick asparagus is inferior but it's not it's just that sometimes the the the, the bottom of the stem is a little woody you mm-hmm. take a potato peeler and scrape that and uh, it's tender and juicy, just like the little skinny ones. And uh, I just toss it with a little olive oil and uh, some sort of a herb mix. Uh, I, we have a, a recipe for something I call Simon and Garfunkel because it's got, sing it now, parsley, sage, <laughs> rosemary, and thyme. And, yeah. and uh, <laughs> sprinkle that on it and just roll it around on a hot grill until the tips start to get a little dark and maybe the... Uh, the stems uh, the, get a little uh, grill marks on them, and, they, and they're flexible. They kind of bend and snap easily, and that's it. And they can sit around for an hour, and uh, they're just as good at room temperature as they are. Oh, sure. Hot. 
Uh, and, and this is the time of year for them. That would be a good dish for Memorial Day. Absolutely. I like to, I do everything that you just described, but just about a minute or so before I pull them, I will put a little Parmesan on a little. You know, um, I, I usually shave Parmesan. I use yeah. that same yep. um, uh, potato peeler, um, but I don't do it while they're still on the grill because I don't want it to fall into the grill and waste it. I put it on the serving platter and shave it, and then I'll sometimes drizzle it with um, uh, balsamic concentrate. Sure, but uh, and that, that that that's just gilding the lily. Yeah, when I use the when I use the Parmesan, I'll I'll actually put it in a veggie basket, um, as you would call it. You know, there's lots of them out there, different brands and stuff. But I do that mm-hmm. that way. That way, I don't lose too much of the because I'll I'll pull them off the grill, put them in the veggie basket, put the Parmesan on it, close the lid for a minute, and then pull them off, and I'm I'm a happy camper. There you go. Yeah. Okay. I'm a happy. That camper. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, you know, and it's it's we should we should tell folks if they don't know already, there is a massive difference between real Parmigiano Reggiano, which is the original Parmesan from Italy, mm-hmm. from the town of Parma, um, and the uh, stuff that comes in the green toilet paper tube. <laughs> um, that um, uh, and a couple of years ago they analyzed it and found that they were adding. Um, sawdust to keep it from sticking together because it was all pre-ground, and just the flavor is a million miles apart. Oh yeah, um, they they call Parmigiano Reggiano the uh, the king of cheeses, um, and it's just a uh, uh, there's just a richness to it, a flavor depth. Um, I I think they it must be two years old for them to put it on the market, and when it's two to three years old, three years old is really good. Um, it gets these little crystals. I think they're from amino acids. Mm-hmm. Um, little crystals in there that give it a kind of a crunch and amplify the flavor. And uh, uh, if you if you've not had the real deal, it's easy to grate. It's not cheap. It's not cheap, but you can you know you don't use a lot of it. You right. don't need a lot of it. And, and here's a fun tip: um, the rind on Parmigiano Reggiano is not a wax or a plastic or anything. It's just natural cheese that has dried out because it's on the exterior and it dehydrates. Sure. And it gets pretty darn hard. You can't really bite into it. Um, But my wife's Italian family, they will take a chunk of that rind and throw it in a soup, a chicken soup or something like that, and uh, it it exudes the flavor into the soup. Um, What I like to do, and this is really cool. If you haven't tried this, you got to do it because you can buy these rinds often in a bag, really cheap. Right. Um, you grill them, throw them on a hot grill. They will get soft and pliable, um, almost taffy-like, but they won't melt and drip through the grate. Mm-hmm. They, they're just too solid. Um, and when they get soft and pliable like that. You put them on top of a piece of French bread, and it's kind of like you bite into it, and you got to tug yeah. it to get it loose. Sure. But boy, is it ever tasty. Well, first of all, you're making me hungry. And secondly, I want to confess something to our listeners here today, Meathead, is that I am a hog, and it is not unlikely to see me standing around the corner or out by the grill when everybody else is in the kitchen with, with some 
with a wedge of Parmesan and like uh-huh. a little paring knife and just kind of slicing off little slivers and eating it. Cause I'll do mm-hmm. it. And I'd do that and I'd be happy as anything. I just would. Cause I just love that stuff. I agree. Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, okay. We, we're going to talk a lot about other things to, to, to grill and barbecue and stuff here. And I want to start right here and we'll take it into the next segment, which we've got about five minutes left in this one. Burgers. You burgers. Know, burgers. Burgers. We've, we've got burgers, burger, 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 burger. Yep. Burger, I mean, if ever there was a holiday that is made for burgers, it's Memorial Day. I yep. mean, Fourth of July is ribs. Thanksgiving is turkey. Yep. Christmas is a big festive roast or a goose or something like that. And Memorial Day, hot dogs, hamburgers. Yep. You know, kick off the season with something easy and fun. Although I gotta say. I said I just made a mistake. I don't think great burgers are easy. I think they're right up there with brisket as among the hardest things to get right. It's easy to make any old burger. I mean, mm-hmm. you just go out and buy a frozen Bubba burger and throw it on the grill. But to get a great burger, there's a number of tricks to make it right. So we can talk about what tricks make great burgers. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you can do the preformed patties, and depending on the quality, that will probably serve your purpose. Okay. But if you want to make them, now, like, I got a new toy for Christmas, so I've been doing my own grind. And, and so with all well, that, that's one of the better techniques. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we're told that burgers m- must be cooked to 155 degrees Fahrenheit to be safe. And that's good advice. Um, uh, when a steer is butchered, there's often contamination on the hide sure. um, uh, from the feedlot, from the dust and the uh, uh, dried manure that gets on them. And, uh, you know, just uh, there's contamination in the air everywhere anyhow. Um, and, and, and that contamination can get on the butcher's knife and it can get on um, the steaks. But if you grill a steak, the minute it hits that hot grill, the E. coli are dead. Yeah. And so you're safe. You don't have to worry about it. But hamburger is ground up steak. And if there's any contamination on the surface, it gets mixed into the middle. Mm-hmm. So where you can eat a steak at 130, which is medium rare, and that's where I like it best, and I think you do too. Yep. Um, you can't eat a burger at 130 normally, but there is a trick. You talk about your grinder. That's a really nice thing to have. What you can do is you can go to the grocer and you can buy a chuck steak, which is about 80% lean and 20% fat. And that's a, that's a good ratio. Sure. And you get a pot of water boiling on the stove and dip that steak into the pot of water for about 20 seconds. And it's going to kill any bacteria on the surface. It's going to pasteurize it. And the meat will come out. There'll be a little gray on the surface, but it's not gray on the inside. It's not cooked on the inside. No. Nope. It's still raw meat. And you grind that meat up, and you can. You now have sterile ground beef. Mm-hmm. Not sterile, pasteurized. There's a difference yeah. between pasteurized and sterile, and I'm not going to get into it, but it's pasteurized, and, and which means it's safe. And uh, you can now grind it up, and if you want to cook it to medium rare, you can. You just gave them... Um probably one of the best pro tips and we've given them a lot of pro tips 
But, mm-hmm. it, but if they're if they've been following Amazing Ribs or Barbecue Nation or a combination there of, you know, I think you just gave them a really good pro tip to uh, help them take that step forward to some really, mm-hmm. really, really, really great burgers. So what we're right. going to do? Uh, wait a second. We got to take ahead. we're going to take a break. Meathead and I are going to be back in just a couple minutes. Um, somebody's got to pay the bills out there on the network. But we're going to come back. We're going to pick up the hamburger conversation again. And then we'll we'll go down into dogs and some ancillary stuff later in the show. But you're listening to Barbecue dogs. dogs. You're listening to Barbecue Nation on the Sun Radio Network. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey everybody, welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. Today we're talking with me, Dad, little Bob Seeger between the breaks there for you. If you'd like some more information... All you have to do is go to Barbecue Nation. That's BBQNationJT.com. You can look around and, and there's links to the current shows and older shows there. And there's a icon that you can click and send me a message and all that. Also, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Pandora, Captivate, iTunes. Just go on down the list and we're there. But we've been talking about burgers because Meathead and I agree that the first big barbecue holiday season, which is Memorial Day for most people, should be burgers and dogs. And if you're really creative, throw a chicken leg on there. But we'll talk about that later. But let's talk about making, um, you know, you talked about the chuck steak and dipping it in hot water. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're going to do that. But say they just go to the market and they buy, you know, two or three pounds, depending on their guest list and stuff of just, um, you know, ground beef, and it's 80-20, like that. I, I like 80-20. If you do the 90-10 thing, um, yes. there's not a lot of, not as much flavor in it, I'll put it that way. Well, let, let's let's touch on that blend, 80-20. Sure. Um, uh, first of all, I think everybody out there knows that um, fat is flavor, and when it comes to hamburgers, you can get lean um, hamburgers but they're not going to be as juicy and flavorful. And a lot of the juice in meat comes from melting fat, not just water. Mm -hmm. Um, So you want to try to get an 80-20 blend. And uh, usually ground chuck is in that range. Now, a lot of really good burger joints uh, will have a 70-30 blend. Mm -hmm. um, And that really amps up the flavor and the juiciness. And it gives you some leeway, especially if you're doing a quarter pounder, which is thin and tends to be well done in the center. It's pretty hard to do a quarter pounder and get it out medium rare, 130 degrees. So if you're going to have a burger that you're going to cook to 155, the recommended minimum for safety, um, then you want to um, maybe up the fat ratio. Uh, to 70 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can often ask your butcher. Um, a lot of people think they, they're, they're limited to what's on display in the butcher counter. But, you know, getting to know your butcher is more important than getting to know a stockbroker. Absolutely. Um, get in there in the morning. Usually the head butcher, and a lot of them are women nowadays, 
Um, get in there early because they're there to meet the trucks and to help unload and get the day started. Um, and uh, they're often gone by three o'clock or so. Right. Uh, so you want to get in there early and call, you know, ring the bell and ask for the head butcher or the assistant, and ask them, can you give me uh, a, an eighty twenty or a seventy thirty blend? And uh, away you go. Um, Some people um, obsess about what cut of meat, whether it's um, chuck or uh, brisket or um, sirloin, uh, whatever, one of the uh, short ribs or something. The muscle meat doesn't have a huge difference in flavor from where it comes all by itself, Mm -hmm. but the fat does. So, uh, you can ask the, the butcher to give you a blend that you that you like. One tip here, another pro tip: never buy something labeled hamburger or ground beef. You can get um, uh, if, if it's just labeled hamburger and ground beef, it's the lowest common denominator, the lowest mm-hmm. grade. It's uh, uh, what they used to call lips, and uh, you know what else? Yep. Um, it's um, you you you, you, you want to get a ground chuck or a ground sirloin or something like that. Right. Um, go for that. Yep. Absolutely. Now, it's I'll I'll say it like I'm being antiquated here, if you will. People are now into smash burgers and they're into building their own, and they you know they they put some basil in it or they add an egg to it or they do whatever they want, which is fine. I mean, you know, we're all different like that. But, you know, it's a little trickier to cook uh, your burger patty if it's an inch thick than it is a quarter pounder, which is about a quarter of an inch thick. Yes. So I divide the world into two parts. Okay. The diner burger, which is your quarter pounder, thin, um, and tends to be um, cooked well done when you're done. And that's what you get at the fast food restaurants, and then what I call the steak burger. And the steak burger, um, it runs six to eight ounces, sometimes nine ounces, um, and they can be, uh, you know, an, an inch thick. Your, your standard bun is about four inches, so their standard diameter is in the four-inch four range. Sure. So the real variety is in the thickness. And in all cooking, in all cooking of all meats, vegetables, whatever you're cooking, the rate limiting factor is thickness. Thick food takes longer to cook than thin food. Mm-hmm. And thick food needs to be cooked at a lower temperature than thin food in order to ensure that it doesn't overcook. So if you have a skinny steak, you cook it hot and fast. If you have a two inch thick T bone, you cook it low and slow. Um, and, uh, there, there are the same thing applies to burgers. If you've got a diner burger, quarter incher, quarter pounder, four ounces, then you want to slap it on a hot grill or a griddle on top of your grill. Um, you can get a really nice cast iron griddle. I see them occasionally in, um, uh, antique stores, mm-hmm. uh, used, um, uh, but you can buy them new online lodge and some of the other cast iron manufacturers sell really solid, heavy duty, black cast iron griddles. Um, or you can just use a, a frying pan, a, a heavy duty frying pan. Sure. Um, and, uh, you mentioned smash burgers. 
Those are usually about four ounces. And what people do is, is you start with a four ounce ball. Uh, you roll it up into a ball and you put that cast iron um, pan or griddle on top of your grill and you get that surface up to around 350 degrees. That's your target. And then you take that ball and you slam it onto that hot surface and leave it there for a minute. And then you smash it with a, with a uh, spatula until the edges get all kind of jagged. But what you're doing is you're making really intimate, tight contact between the meat and the hot surface. Mm -hmm. And that conduction energy is the most concentrated energy you can cook with. We're going to take go. an, we're going to take another break. Meathead and I'll be back here on Barbecue Nation talking more Memorial Day grilling and barbecuing treats for you right after this. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. We'd like to thank the folks again at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef, you can be proud to serve your family and friends, and it's actually beef the way nature intended. And also our good friend uh, David Malik and his crew over there at Gunter Wilhelm Knives. I know Meathead uses them. I use them. I, I love them. And they're great. I love them. Yeah, they're just yeah, great. I, I, he makes a really nice line of knives. Um, but interestingly, one of my favorite utensils he has are the kitchen shears. Um, mm -hmm. or, or some people call them poultry shears. But if you're going to spatchcock a chicken or a turkey, which involves cutting the backbone out, those shears just cut through it like tissue paper. They're I, fantastic. And I just love, I use, I use his um, chef's knife and mm -hmm. his um, boning knife and his paring knife a lot. And they're just gorgeous looking. They are. They are. And I'm going to tell you a little secret about those shears. Here's something I, good thing my wife doesn't listen to my shows because I'll get in trouble <laughs> on this. Okay. So I've got the I've got the knife block there with the Gunter Wilhelm knives in it, all right, and I've got that, and the shears are in there. And so the other day I see her walk by, and she's going to grab them because God knows what she's going to cut with them—a Volkswagen or something. Oh yeah, I, she's going to. She's hemming a dress. Yeah, something. And I went and I just I took them out of her hand, and I magically produced because I had stopped at a garage sale the day before. And I had gone in there, and they had seamstress pinking shears, okay? Big uh -huh. stainless steel, very never, near a scratch on them type thing, and I think I bought them for a dollar or something like They're that. They're wicked, those babies. Oh, yeah, but, man, I I put my Hunter, uh, my Gunter Wilhelm knife, our shears back. I walked around the corner to my office, grabbed those off my desk, and I said, here, here's an early Mother's Day present for you. And <laughs> victory was mine. I'll put it that way. Victory was mine. So I live in a suburb just west of the city of Chicago. And uh, there's a lot of uh, Italian-Americans in the area, uh, including uh, an old guy named Tony. Yes. And Tony has a cart with two big wagon wheels on it. And it's got a couple foot pedals like you would have on an old-fashioned sewing machine and a wheel in the center that has um, 
grit on it. And as he pulls it down the road, it's got bells that jingle like the good humor man. And he's a knife sharpener. And he's been doing this for decades. This old cart was built in Italy, had it flown in. And usually the first lovely spring weekend, I can hear his cart coming down the road. And it's two bucks a blade. And he just sits in the front yard, uh, peddling away and sharpens knives. I bring out a cardboard box with every knife I have, including my Gunter Wilhelms. And uh, he's got a leather strop for finishing them. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a piece of the old world. It's just wonderful fun. Um, and, uh, gee, he's getting old, and I just hope he keeps it up because – I know at least once a year I get really good sharp Yes. I've got all kinds of sharpeners myself. It's just that I'm too lazy to use them sometimes. Well, I understand that because you get busy. Your focus is on other things. I've got great stones. I've got sharpeners. I've got steels. I've got all mm -hmm. that stuff. But when I, one, of the, one of the grocery stores here where I live, we have a predominantly Hispanic grocery store. And the, there's a guy that will come in there, same thing, set up his table. And you can bring your knives in. You can go do your your shopping. And by the time you come are ready to check out, your knives are usually done. And he charges That's like great. two to four bucks like that. But he does the same thing. And so it's really cool. Yeah. Anyway. Well, he will even do uh, lawnmower blades and, uh, and scissors. Wow. But um, if folks out there should sharpen their knives, uh, you know, every at least every three months, um, uh, and you can buy sharpeners. There's all kinds of sharpeners on the market. In fact, we've tested a variety of them, and we have results on AmazingRibs.com. And they got range from the wet zone, where you're by hand pushing it back and forth against uh, uh, grit stones mm -hmm. of various uh, size, and uh, they work fine. But you know, they take a lot of time, and it's all a hand process. Um, there are um, rotating wheels of various grits that you can buy. Right. Um, there's just a whole variety of them out there. Some work better than others. Um, people need to remember, though, that that the the um, uh, the honer that pole. It, it, it's in your knife drawer. It's just a round pole. And it's got grit on the outside, or it's been engraved with uh, little Lines. hills and valleys. Yep. That's not a sharpener. That's that they call it a honer. And what happens is, is, if you've got a really good sharp knife, after a little bit of use, the blade, the tip, if you look at it in the magnifying glass, it tends to curve or curl under, and the 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 honers will straighten that out, so it will make it like it's sharpened, but it's not removing metal, which a sharpener does. A sharpener actually removes that thin curled sure. edge and puts a really good sharp edge back. And uh, uh, so you really do need to sharpen every now and then. Uh, it, especially now that tomato season's coming up, you've got oh, to have a good geez. sharp blade if you want nice slices of tomato for your hamburgers. There <laughs> you go. I knew you were going to work tomatoes in someplace. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Well, let's get back to burgers for, for, for just a minute here. I just want to, here's my pro tip for people. If you find a, uh, a rub, if you, if you just like salt, pepper, and garlic, if you just like black pepper, whatever it is, you can use that in your burgers. But the other thing is I, I always encourage people to be creative 
but don't go over the line. I'm not a guy who says, okay, we're going to do this, and now we're going to slap an egg and a big piece of pineapple on it and all that. That, to me, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you like, but that's not a traditional burger to me. So, Well, I'm, you know, we get down to these debates in all aspects of culinary. Uh, sure. Um, about tradition, authenticity, and creativity. And, you know, I really get torn myself. I mean, I, 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 you would never see me put pineapple on a burger, but why not? Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, one side of me is tries to be very creative. I know I once published a recipe for um, uh, caprese salad. Caprese mm-hmm. salad is, uh, you know, pretty much just sliced tomatoes with a, a buffalo mozzarella and some basil and uh, balsamic vinegar and right. oil and, and salt. And that's, you know, your basic caprese salad. I like to put capers on mine. And so I wrote a recipe that included capers and a lovely photograph. And gee willers, did I hear about it. <laughs> That's not a caprese salad. Oh, nobody puts capers on it in Italy. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, so on one hand, you know, if you want to, you know, veer off the tracks, go right ahead. But there are some things to keep in mind. A lot of people like, for example, to mix um, Worcestershire sauce in with the hamburger blend. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to make it um, the crumbly. Um, I mean, one of the first things you want is a burger that will hold up its shape, right? And it will stay as an intact burger throughout the eating process. Um, uh, if you start mixing in um, um, a lot of wet ingredients like Worcestershire or hot sauce or even onions. Um, uh, the, the, the burger is going to lose some of its integrity. So I, if I'm going to mix in flavor, I'm going to mix in powdered flavors, things like garlic powder, onion powder, black pepper. Uh, here's another pro tip. Don't mix in salt. You want salt. Salt's wonderful. Salt's sure. a magic rock. It really amplifies flavor. But one of the things salt does is it screws around with the protein inside a burger, and it'll make it tougher. Um, so, um, don't put salt in it, mix up your burger, get your patties or your balls all ready to go. And then just before cooking, sprinkle the salt on the exterior, mm-hmm. not inside, only on the exterior. That's fine. When you bite into it, the saltiness will go throughout. Um, but don't mix it in with it. Now I will, um, I'm a big fan of Lee and Perrin. Okay. I am. I've been since I was a little kid. Uh, but I put that in my meatloaf, but then a meatloaf yes. is cooked in a contained pan, That's right. you know, so you don't have to worry about it on that, but you're absolutely right is as much as you like it, don't dump it in your burger mix because it's not going to really help you out. You can put it on the top of it, you know? If oh, I yeah. I do it after I flipped it, I put it on the top of it a little bit, you know, and that's all, mm-hmm. it's all good. It's all good. So are you cheese or no cheese? Oh, cheese. Oh, you're a cheeseburger guy. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Buffett all I'm the not, way, buddy. I, I'm not. I normally don't want a cheeseburger. I want. I really want the beef flavor, but I I do like one every now and then. So I'm sort of on the fence. What kind of cheese do you put on your burger? Uh, it it varies. Sometimes I put Swiss. Sometimes I'll put like a um, a smoked Gouda, or sometimes just plain old cheddar. 
Um, you know, it just depends on what I'm in the mood for. Well, those are good melting cheeses, and I think people need to know if they don't already and intuitively. Some cheeses melt really nicely, mm-hmm. and some cheeses don't. Some, and, and, and they tend to be a rule of thumb, is if they're dryish and hard, like Parmigiano-Reggiano, they're not going to melt real easily, right? or Romano, or those cheeses. But if they're soft and pliable, they tend to melt better. You know, when it comes to me, comes to a, um, a cheeseburger for me, um, Kraft Singles, good old bloody American cheese, which is probably not really cheese. It's probably one molecule from plastic. But I just love the taste of Kraft Singles on a cheeseburger. I do, too. And they melt so perfectly uh, and quickly. Uh, that's that's my cheese of choice. Hey, that little bit of petroleum once in a while is not going to hurt you. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm telling you, that is not going to hurt you. But I'm guilty of the same thing. Because I also use those on a toasted cheese sandwich. Uh, Meathead and I are going to go get a cheese sandwich over the break, and then we'll be back (laughs) on Barbecue Nation right after this. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Everybody, welcome back to Barbecue Nation. Uh, I'm JT, little Bob Seeger there with our uh, bed music, so to speak. And our good friend Meathead is with us this this week for your Memorial Day barbecue show like that. And also, I want to throw in here that your meetup in Memphis has been pushed out till 2022. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have scheduled an event, a weekend-long activity of great fun in Memphis, uh, featuring a lot of Memphis' best barbecue restaurants and uh, uh, Gutta Wilhelm is going to be there yeah. and uh, some other really great barbecue products on an expo. We have some really great meals. We're going to do demos with Whole Hog. And it's in Memphis, and we've moved it from end of August to March 18 through 20. Um, there, there were just a lot of people who were nervous about end of August. So uh, we uh, we pushed it back. It's at the Peabody Hotel in Memphis, which is a wonderful venue, mm-hmm. uh, grand old hotel. And uh, so uh, go to amazingribs.com and you'll see a, a yellow um, ad promoting it. Click on that, and you can see all the details and how much it costs and everything. And you even and come get, on down. Um, you, we it's it capacity is four hundred, and we've already got more than three hundred tickets sold. And you get to be Duckmaster one night. Yeah, the, the Peabody is really cool. I don't know how this started, but they have on the roof of the hotel um, uh, little um, cages for uh, a family of ducks. And uh, every morning, uh, they march the ducks to the elevator, and they go down the elevator, and they come out. There's a red carpet, and they walk the red carpet and hop in a fountain, which is in the center of the lobby. And they just float around and paddle around the fountain all day long. And then at 5 o'clock, they go back up. And uh, they, they allow guests occasionally to be what they call duck masters, and they give them a special cane to herd the ducks with sure. and uh, 
I get to be a duck master uh, for one afternoon, so that's going to be fun. Well, they're union but, ducks, uh, too, because they get off at five. They don't work overtime. No. And and, <laughs> and the good news is, unfortunately, uh, I guess, uh, they have a very good restaurant, but they don't serve duck. Well, you know, you can't piss off your employees, is all I can say. <laughs> okay, so real quickly, we've got a few minutes left here. Now, Mides is going to stick around for after hours, and God knows what we're going to cover in that, but it will be interesting, and it'll be fun for your Memorial Day cooking menu. But we got to talk about dogs and brats and sausages. We've got uh-huh. uh, we've got about six minutes here to do that with. But, you know, that's one of the traditions. We, we talked about traditions earlier in the show, about burgers and traditions and that type of thing. I think, like, a good... Old-fashioned, ballpark, thick, fat, frank, or Polish sausage, or, you know, whatever kind blows your skirt up, that has got to be part of the menu. That's just me, but I agree. that's got to be part of the menu. I agree. You probably ought to throw some chicken on there, uh, drumsticks. Uh, yeah. There are people who, you know, we have a niece who will eat chicken, but she won't eat beef and pork. Sure. So, uh, you know, you throw a couple of uh, drumsticks or thighs on there. And uh, or 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 breast and uh, flatten the breast out so they cook evenly and fast. Yeah. Um, here's a pro tip for the hot dogs. Um, now keep in mind I'm from Chicago, which is hot dog central. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, um, the 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 tip literally is you take a hot dog and before you cook it, you put a slit in the end, two slits perpendicular. You make a cross in the tip on both sides. And when you put them on the grill, that tip flares open and crisps really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, that's a great technique. Another technique I like to do is that people tend to lay the hot dogs down perpendicular to the grill grates. I lay them down in between the grill grates. That way they lay still. And then when it's time to turn, you just flip them one one grill grate over, which is a quarter turn. Yep. Flip them one grill. So you get even cooking on all four sides. It's odd looking because the stripes run lengthwise on the dog rather than horizontal. But you get a really well-cooked dog that way. Um, and then, of course, I'm from Chicago. So there will be no ketchup <laughs> served with our hot dogs. I'm with you, brother. I am with you. Um, oh God! You know I have a whole page on the website, which is a, a, a humor page. It, it contains all of the jokes about you know. Dirty Harry even has a great monologue in the movie about how disgusting ketchup is in a hot dog, and uh, and and I have them all on this one page. I'll tell you my theory: putting ketchup on a hot dog robs you of a sense of humor because people read this and they get really agitated. I get the nastiest letters about, I'm going to put ketchup on my heart if I want. Who the hell do you think you are? And you can't tell me what to eat. And oh my goodness, it's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you. But so, that's, that is a motto here in Chicago. We have the standard Chicago hot dog has seven ingredients and ketchup is not among them. And uh, what's really interesting about hot dogs, and I have a whole page devoted to this topic, is that unlike hamburgers, you can get 30 different styles of hamburgers uh, in any city. Cities tend to have citywide a hot dog style. 
Right. There's a Cincinnati hot dog, a Chicago hot dog, an L.A. Dodger dog, a Seattle dog, um, and and they're all sort of um, uh, civic pride behind them, and they eat them in the uh, in their indigenous local style, and that's kind of fun, and it's a fun party um, because the big differences are primarily the toppings. So you can get yourself a great, you know, a big box of all beef. Um, natural casing hot dogs, and then just put all the toppings out and say, here's what you need for a Seattle dog, here's what you need for a Cincinnati dog, and so on. And, uh, and that, that's a lot of fun. My my favorite, my favorites are this. I like, you know, how we were talking off the air about certain types of cheeses and stuff. I like good mm-hmm. old, I like good old yellow French's mustard. Me too. I like a little relish, a little sweet relish on there. I like some, mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. onions, maybe a little sauerkraut on there, depending Onion on... Onion raw or grilled? Uh, well, it depends, but mostly raw. I'm kind of a raw Me guy. Me too. You know, like that. Um, a little sauerkraut, if they've got... Uh, if I'm in the mood, if they've got a really good, uh, like a chili dog, but I don't want... Them just going and opening up a can of Nally's chili, heating it up, and then you ah. spoon that on. That's not that's not that. It's got to be a real carny type mixture, mm-hmm. you know, with no beans in it like that. It's just the mm-hmm. meat. Yeah, I've got a good recipe for that. Yep. We got to get out of here for this week. We're running out of time. Um, but Meathead is going to stick around for after hours, and we're going to continue our hot dog discussion along with some other things. <laughs> um, AmazingRibs.com. Check out the Memphis in May for next year. Don't forget his book. And did I leave anything out? It's Memphis in March. It's called the Meetup in Memphis. Meetup uh, in Memphis. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> the Meetup in Memphis in March. Okay. And uh, the book Meathead. And uh, look at everybody out there. Have a happy uh, Memorial Day, a safe Memorial Day, and uh, have a lot of fun. We're going to do that. We'll be back next week with another edition of Barbecue Nation. Take care, everybody. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with the Vision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.